Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just because a relationship ends, it doesn't mean it's a failure. It can open up other possibilities. And that's where reconnecting with yourself comes in. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here for another episode of Dear Headspace, a podcast where I sit down with a Headspace meditation teacher and we answer your questions about uh, family, relationships, and sometimes how to get into them and sometimes how to get out of them. And I am Robin Hopkins, and I am here today with the Eve. Hello, Eve. Hello, Robin. Is that too much? You're the Robin. The Robin. That's too associated with like Batman. It just doesn't work the same as like the Eve. (laughs) Just like it's a thing. Well, we've got exciting things in store for you. And I know how much you in particular like surprises. Um, We've got this. Who told you that? No one. That's why I said it. Um, (laughs) We've got in this ongoing effort to adhere headspace to get to know our teachers more on a personal level. We want to do rapid fire questions with you and, you know, because it's your turn today, Eve. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Okay. I'm (laughs) sensing a little trepidation. (laughs) All right. We're going for it. Okay. All right. 
What TV show are you currently telling everyone that they should be watching right now? And also, why? The Mandalorian. Oh! I love that show. I'm a, I'm a bit of a sci-fi geek in that respect. All right, look at this. We're already getting to know you. Okay. <laughs> All right. What job would you be terrible at? Maths teacher or a geography teacher. Basically a teacher. Well, but you're a teacher. That's what's well, hilarious. Teacher, That's what's hilarious. It depends what I'm teaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Your next question is, if you could turn any activity into an Olympic sport, what would you have a good chance of winning a medal for? My ability to open the fridge <laughs> and if there's nothing in there, make a meal out of something. Really? I'm really, really good at working with few ingredients, but still somehow coming up with something. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, what song have you completely memorized? Hmm. Well, okay. So one of my all-time favorite songs, tunes, is Bob Marley, No Woman, No Cry. Oh, so I feel like when that's on, I could genuinely sing that from start to finish, but I'm not sure I could do it without hearing it. Right, right. <laughs> oh, okay. This is one of my, we're asking this question to all the teachers. It's one of my favorites. If you had one wish that is not for the betterment of humanity, but for the betterment of the Eve, I have to say the Eve, what would it be? So we can go superpowers You can here. go anywhere you want to go. Okay, I'd want to fly. and. I'd also want to be able to speak multiple languages. What languages? I mean, probably all of the languages. Yeah. I, I could just be the Duolingo app. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> all right. This one's easy. Are you usually early or late? Judging by today, late. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And our last question, in honor of one of our questions today, what's one thing that you do that makes you feel empowered? So I have a group of girlfriends, we call it like our sisterhood circle. Mm -hmm. It's a place to share news, struggles, achievements. And so if I'm wanting to celebrate something or I'm perhaps feeling worried or nervous about something, I'll generally reach out to my girls and very quickly they will make me feel better about something, more empowered, more inspired, more reassured. Yeah, mm. my crew. I love that. My tribe. Uh, well, I loved all of your answers. And now I feel empowered to take us to our listener questions. Today, we really have a wide spectrum of topics. We're going to be answering questions about trouble focusing on boring tasks, empowerment and self-trust, and when our pets face illness. So starting us off, our first question is from Dana. Hi, dear Headspace. Love the show. Uh, my name is Dana and I live in Switzerland. Uh, I have a question about distraction, motivation and focus, in particularly around work. Um, I frequently find myself when faced with quite challenging or even kind of boring tasks at work, um, being quite distracted. And very quickly, I'll find myself scrolling through Facebook or looking at some YouTube video instead of actually doing the task at. Um, I try to frame it in the context of 
that I have the feeling mind and the thinking mind and maybe this sort of feeling monkey mind is starting to take over. Um, but I still find it hard to actually figure out how to really focus on the task and especially dealing with the distractions. Do you have any tips on this? Thanks a lot. Oh, Dana, this is a fantastic question. And what's so funny is before we hit record, both Eve and I were talking about how we have too many bookmarks and 157 tabs open because I like I'm just a massive multitasker. So which I think often lends itself to this problem. So this is such a great question. I couldn't agree more. I think so many people will struggle with exactly this, Dana. So thank you for asking this. And actually, as I was listening, it reminded me that I'm not the only one who gets distracted. <laughs> yes. And especially so when we've got to do something that maybe feels really big and challenging or on the flip side, we're just not as interested in yeah. or it's boring. And I think often the idea of doing something is often worse than actually doing it. <laughs> yes. And not maybe always the case, but quite often. And when we start, we see that actually it's not as bad as we thought it would be. Mm -hmm. I think the good news is here, Dana, is that you're already very aware that you're getting distracted. Uh, you know, you're noticing that monkey mind or that you're looking for other things to distract you and take you away from the task in hand. And this is actually good. This is this is something we can work with. And the fact that you're getting distracted isn't actually a bad thing. We live in a very distracting world, technology, 24-7 ways of people always getting in touch with us. Uh -huh. There's many ways in which we can seek distraction, but I think it's it can be interesting to look at what's happening in the mind when this happens. You know, when it comes to doing something that we don't want to do or not interested in, we can quickly label those things as like boring or uninspiring or challenging. And that essentially reinforces that we don't want to do it. And then the mind will look for other stimuli to occupy its attention. So hence the Facebook scrolling, <laughs> hence the YouTube videos. And look, I also want to stress, Dana, we all do this. Yeah. It's part of, you know, who we are as human beings. We will seek distractions when we don't necessarily want to do something. So there's definitely some tips and tools that we can talk through in terms of how you can approach this. But I think at a starting point, the fact that you're aware is amazing. Yeah. And try not to give yourself a hard time because distractions will they will happen. Yeah. And and also, like, I, I've noticed it. It's worse now because I work from home. And there's a lot of guilt that comes along with it, too. Like, I used to just, like, get up and my friend would be, my coworker would be walking to the bathroom. I'd be like, oh, I'll go with you and I'll get a snack. Like, we had all these built-in, like, water cooler moments where we took breaks in our brain. We're not meant to sit in one place for eight straight hours and, and power through things. Yeah. Exactly. It's that change of scenery. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously, Dana, don't know if you're back in the office or if you're at home. But either way, I think these feelings of distraction are actually probably only increasing, partly because technology, even though it's so incredibly helpful, you're just a couple of clicks away <laughs> from, <laughs> from <TikTok laughs> going down <laughs> an Instagram rabbit hole. Yeah, And so I think we would, as Robin said, when we were chatting 
being mindful of, you know, how many tabs do you have open? Yeah. Even just a ping and a buzz can completely take us away. And actually, when we see a ping or we hear a buzz or we see a like or a comment, the dopamine response in the brain is activated. Yeah. Uh, And so we just want more of those things. And that's often why you can suddenly look at your clock and think, oh my goodness, I've just spent 45 (laughs) minutes watching videos of rabbits or goats doing yoga. (laughs) So I think going back to your question specifically around work, because I feel like that's where you're noticing it the most, is depending on the size of the task, I think it can be helpful to break it down into smaller chunks. Yes, absolutely. And and of course, this will vary depending on, this. Yeah, like I said, the size of the project, how much is involved. But often when you look at something in its entirety, it can feel so incredibly overwhelming. And I actually remember when I was asked to head up and lead the charge on building out a team of meditation teachers here at Headspace, I remember thinking to myself, where do I even even start? start? (laughs) And I was so overwhelmed. And what really helped was we broke down exactly what was involved. And so it didn't feel like we had to solve everything all at once. And in doing that, you can set yourself more manageable goals Mm -hmm. that you can then feel a reward every time you check one off. And of course, that's for a bigger project. If it's, you know, something smaller that's maybe going to take a couple of hours or something, like Robin said, break it down. Yeah. Do 20 minutes, get up, change a scene, make a cup of tea, make a cup of coffee, do something that feels nice and nourishing, and then come back. Yeah. And this, I'm interested your take on this, Eve, from a mindfulness perspective is it's like, I got to just have a talking to with myself. Like, I have to just be like, right now... I need to do this thing. And I have to finish this one full task. Even if it's a small task, I have to finish it before I'm allowed to click over here. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious how that like syncs up with like that mindful approach. Well, I think you can approach situations like that in a similar way that, that you would to doing a meditation, you know, and of course, this is a really good example of, you know, mindfulness in action, meditation in action is you know, say you set yourself to do a 15-minute meditation and you know that you will get distracted because the mind is constantly seeking stimuli and stimulus. And so knowing that it's just 15 minutes, knowing that things like boredom or maybe some frustration may arise, but if that's happening, you know, in the task that you're doing or the work that you're carrying out, just using that as an opportunity to just practice letting go of the distraction and then coming back to what it is that you're doing. And that's actually a really, really great way to continue to strengthen that focus, strengthen that resilience. And look, it's okay to admit that things are boring. Yeah, like there's no judgment. Some things are boring. Yeah, (laughs) and you're not going to be inspired by everything you do. Yeah. Uh, And I think just recognizing you know, how you feel when that sense of boredom arises. And actually, rather than feeding into that boredom, this is so boring, I'm so frustrated, (laughs) I can't bother to do this. Stupid weekly reports. Exactly. Just seeing if you can 
just sit with that and use it as a practice because in our lives, we're going to have to do things we don't want to do mm-hmm. all the time, actually. And so I think if you can balance it with, okay, I'm going to focus on this 20, 30 minutes and then I get to do something that yeah. feels a little bit more rewarding, a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah. So I think, you know, we do have to work with our conditions. We do have to work within our environment and recognize that, yeah, some things in life suck. Yeah. Well, that that's just wonderful advice, Eve. I mean, it's like we're really just talking about two things. We're talking about the mindfulness side of it, you know, being aware and using it as a opportunity to build your practice and to focus on the task at hand. And then there's the support side of things of like all the, the things that you can bring in in order to help support yourself because work today is not necessarily designed for us not to wander off. So everything that you said was really valuable and wonderful. And Dana, we wish you the best of luck with this and keep us posted. Let us know how this all goes. Yes. Thanks, Dana. All right. Let's move on to our next question from Fred. This is Fred from Michigan. What are the best ways to meditate on very difficult life or death decisions? My best friend of eight years was recently diagnosed with terminal heart condition by her vet. And I'm faced with a literal life or death decision on how how to proceed. I have the option to have a humane euthanization performed while she is still in relatively low pain or continuing with invasive and costly treatments, which may only extend her life by a matter of months, but the potential of worse suffering. I'm really struggling with this as I have used meditation over the years to successfully cope with anxiety, depression, death, and loss, thanks to Headspace. But I've never been in this position before where I have to make this decision. Every time I try to tackle it on the cushion, I'm overwhelmed with feelings of sadness and loss, as, facing, as well as facing shame and regrets if I proceed with either path. How can I use my meditation practice to at least make facing this decision mindfully easier? Thank you. Oh, Fred, thank you for your question. I mean, you can just mm. you can just hear it in his voice where he's at with this process. So, you know, our heart goes out to you. Yeah, I'm... So sorry, Fred, about your pet's diagnosis. And no wonder you're grappling with this decision. This is really difficult. And just thank you for sending in your question. And as Robin said, our hearts go out to you. I think overwhelmingly what I heard through your question is just you love her so much. Yeah. And that you don't want her to suffer, which of course makes this decision even harder. And I think it's very normal to second guess what would be the right decision because they're both so difficult. Yeah. I had a a situation similar to this. It wasn't a terminal illness diagnosis, but my cat, who was just the most delightful cat ever, Sam, and she was 19. And when we took her to the vet, I think the thing for us that was so helpful was that the vet helped us make that decision because Mm -hmm. I just, I did not feel like I could make some huge decision. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a really hard space. Yeah. I I was, was going to say as well, I think speaking with your vet, if you feel like you're perhaps not getting maybe the right support or some guidance and direction, you can also always seek out a second opinion. I think what it sounds like you're struggling with is you 
you don't want to make the wrong decision or feel like you've made the wrong decision. So having as much support and guidance and help to navigate this, I think will really help. So whether that's leaning on friends, family, but also ensuring that you feel like you are equipped with all the information and guidance that you need. I think in, you know, in terms of your meditation practice, you know, because you specifically asked, you know, how can my practice support me in making this decision? I think the first thing to say, Fred, is, you know, allow yourself to feel into your emotions and in a way, let them guide you. Yeah. You know, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to even feel angry that you have to make this decision because you're also facing the fact that you're losing her. Yeah. And so many feelings and emotions are going to be tied together. And of course, when we face loss or any difficulty, it feels desperately hard and we don't want to feel those feelings or or face those emotions. But if you can embrace them, I feel in a way that can help support you in making this decision. And yeah. you may find doing a reflection or a contemplation and meditation helpful. Um, so for example, you could start with a very gentle reflection. So sit as you would in doing a normal meditation, you know, get comfortable, spend a few minutes just settling the mind and the body, perhaps focusing on your breath to start with. And then perhaps just pose a question like, what would make her feel comfortable? Yeah. And instead of trying to answer the question immediately, just see what naturally arises. And you don't need to analyze, you don't need to judge. It's very normal that there would be some commentary around that. But perhaps lean into the feelings lean into, you know, what your body's telling you. Uh, And then when you're ready and only when you feel ready, you may expand that out further uh, and perhaps reflect or contemplate on a question like, how would I feel if I saw her enduring more pain and suffering? And as I said before, allow what surfaces to help guide you and navigate you because I think ultimately you know, consider what it would do to you both if you pursue a path of aggressive treatment and there's a lot more pain and suffering for you and for her. Yeah. I really want to say a plus one on this second opinion because the first doctor that we took our cat to was an overnight doctor. And it wasn't that she was rude. She was just very cold and very scientific about it. And when I went to the second doctor, I called some friends and they said, go to this person. They were so wonderful. And she looked me in the eyes and I will never forget it. It was the most beautiful moment. And she said, she said, you know, she's had a really good life and you you gave her a very good home. And she said, and I want you to think about, you know, what this would do to her if you, if you continue this. And mm-hmm. that released me of, of the feeling that I was having predominantly, which was guilt. So that's why mm-hmm. I second the the second opinion. And it made it as painless as it could possibly be in a hard situation. Mm-hmm. I think also, though, this is also a time for you to remember all of the incredible happy memories yeah. that you have with her. And as Robin said, the amazing life that you've given her. 
Uh, and, you know, while you can, perhaps doing some of the things she really loves and creating more of those memories that will last a lifetime. And, and Fred, we, we're just, we're with you. We're sending you love. And we know this is a, a difficult decision. And, you know. And most importantly, Fred, make sure that you're taking care of yourself. The road ahead may feel quite bumpy, but just know that we're here for you. There is actually a course in the app called Grieving, if that is something that perhaps you might find helpful. Uh, Of course, please speak to friends and family, and you may even want to consider some grief counselling, but just some things to help you navigate the road ahead, Uh, and not just in making this decision, but making sure that you're taking care of yourself and how you're processing the decision and the grief that you may experience. Yeah, and take care, Fred. Thank you so much for your question. Okay. All right. So we are going to turn a little bit of a corner and we have our final question from Emma. Dear Headspace, my name is Emma and my question relates to how to feel more empowered about yourself. I've been in a relationship for a very long time and now that my partner and I have split up, I find it very difficult to trust myself in my own decisions about life, about my work, about everything really. And I'm feeling a little bit lost in that regard. And I was wondering if you have any tips when you come out of a relationship, how do you start to trust yourself again? Thank you very much in advance. Oh, thank you, Emma. Thank you for listening and thank you for your question. I mean, it's it's tough when you come out of a relationship, right, Eve? I mean, it's, I think in a way, sometimes you can become... I'm not suggesting codependent, but you can become part of a little team and get very used to checking in with other people for, well, what should we do on this? And then all of a sudden, it's just you who's the end-all, be-all of all decisions. And that, that can be daunting. Absolutely. And yeah, Emma, thank you so much for sending in your question. And I'm sorry that you're going through this, uh, whether it was your decision, a joint decision or or your partner's decision, you know, it does take time to process a breakup. And, you know, as Robin said, when we are in a relationship with someone else, we're essentially merging and intertwining with another person. Yeah. And so, of course, that might mean that, you know, our needs and our wants adapt to meet and compromise with this person. And of course, if if you've been with someone for a really long period of time, which it sounds like you have, you may perhaps have forgotten in many ways, even what your own goals and yeah. some of your own dreams may <laughs> may have been. Yeah. It's easy to become a like a one unit, moving everything forward as a pair. Absolutely. And I would really encourage you to try not to rush the process because this is actually a time for you to reset in a way, to recharge and perhaps draw some wisdom from the relationship ending. You know, just because a relationship ends, it doesn't mean it's a failure. And and of course, I don't know the full context, but a relationship ending is an ending. Yeah. It isn't a rejection or a failure. And I think just reminding yourself that it's come to an end for a reason. Yep. 
and recognizing that that can also, whilst it might not feel it feel like it right now, it can open up other possibilities. And that's where reconnecting with yourself comes in. Yeah. You know, it's a chance to, you know, reconnect with yourself and remember all of the things that were beautiful about yourself and yeah. all of the things that were strong and extraordinary and you know you may have forgotten that side of yourself a bit but all of those things are still there um even if they're buried deep inside yeah that's such a good point and it, it i was just thinking and i've been thinking this throughout this episode with all the questions about getting back to your gut instincts and about mm. getting back to your connection with yourself you know i I'm a person who often knows exactly what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and how how quickly I want it done. But my wife is not that at all. And we went to a couples therapist for a while after we had one of our kids. And the couples therapist said something to her that I have never forgotten, I thought was so powerful and such great advice. She said, Mary, she said, well, I want you to put yourself in the center of the room. And she said, I want you to put Robin in the corner. I want you to put your sister in the corner. I want you to put everyone else who has an opinion in a corner. And she said, and now I want you to ask that question of what do you want? And she was like, oh, well, then that's easy. I want pizza. You know, it's like she was always thinking everything, every decision through someone else's vantage point other than her own. And it was like she needed a tool to be able to say, well, what, what is it that I want to do? Yeah, you you essentially are in a situation now where you have full permission to do what you want, when you want, of course, I'm sure within reason, depending on work and other things. But when a relationship ends, you're, you have to unmerge from this yeah. other person. And essentially the, the future that you perhaps thought was going to happen is now no longer a possibility. And that can feel really daunting and really scary, but it also can be exciting yeah. When I was listening to what Robin was saying about her wife and making those decisions for herself, you know, you could start small, you know, and over the, the next few weeks uh, and days, even just allowing yourself to make one decision for yourself a day. And that could be as simple as, I'm going to have a bubble bath. Yes. And I don't need to do anything else for anybody else, it's just about me. Yep. Because I actually think it does take a bit of practice to start doing things for ourselves again and thinking about and considering what is it that I actually need. Yeah. Especially if we've been in a really long relationship where you may not have even realized how much you were putting the needs of someone else before your own. Uh, and so go slow with this. Yeah. Because... It, it can take a, a bit of time. And as Robin shared, talk to people, yes. whether it's your friends, family, your tribe, maybe speaking with like a relationship coach, someone who's perhaps impartial that can help you untangle mm -hmm. essentially from the, the relationship. Because when we're in something, it can often feel like a you know, two, two balls of wool have gotten completely messed up and tangled <laughs> up together. And it does take a bit of time unpicking yeah. and untangling. But I think voicing how you're feeling, discussing it with, with friends, family, of course, only where you feel comfortable. But 
as I said at the the beginning, allow yourself this time. Yes. Because this is actually the one opportunity and the one chance, as painful as it might be, for you to remember who you are. Yes, yes. I plus one all of that, Eve. One of the things you said earlier, Eve, that's really a great distinction is there's the need side of this and then there's a want side of this. And the need side of this is self-care and untangling and, and finding your way back to yourself. And then I think that opens the door to the want side of things of, mm-hmm. well, I would love to take myself to San Francisco for the weekend, or I would love to climb a mountain, you know, just allowing yeah. yourself that freedom to play and to, to, to dream about what you want. Because I think when you start saying yes to things, like more of you shows up. Yeah. Like get comfortable prioritizing you. Yes. And I can't wait to hear all about Emma getting back to Emma. I think this is yeah. this is wonderful. Just step. I can't. Yeah, you know, I'm envisioning a moment where she sees her in, herself in the mirror and is like, "Oh, there you are. I've missed you." You know, like she's still in there. She's waiting for you, and she can't wait to come out and play. And and like yeah. you've said, take it slowly and without judgment, and be kind to yourself. But she's there. Emma's there. In a way, Emma, you're starting a new relationship, mm-hmm. and that is the relationship with yourself. So see that as this exciting new path where you're getting to know Emma again. You're dating yourself. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're on a path to learning to love yourself again and trusting yourself again. And for sure, there'll be some bumps in the road. But you've got this and we're here to help and support in any way we can. Well, those were absolutely fantastic questions, Eve. They were just fantastic. Yeah, really amazing questions. And I feel like a lot of listeners can relate to some of the struggles that Dana, Fred and Emma were going through and just so incredibly grateful for your vulnerability in in sharing and really would genuinely love to hear how, how you get on. So just... Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And to any other listeners out there, if you want a chance to have your question on Dear Headspace, all you have to do is head over to sayhi.chat slash Dear Headspace. It's in the show notes. Follow the prompts to record your question. And if we end up using your question on the show, you're going to get three months of Headspace, which you can keep it. You can give it away. We're not judging. Whatever you do with it. But before we say goodbye... We want to offer you a moment to process all that you've just heard, see it as a way to transition from this moment to the next in your day, as you listen to sounds recorded at a dormant volcano in a national park. Let your mind do whatever it wants to do. Until next time, stay happy and stay healthy. And be kind to yourself and each other.
Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohen, Baron Farmar, and Danny Christamy. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, and Eve Lewis Prieto. Sound recording and post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Merguia. And a very special thanks to Colleen Lutz. 